What's up, family? Welcome to the Navigate with Faith podcast. This is Elisa. And I'm Sierra. And we are your cool Christian chicks coming mm-hmm. at you with that living room talk mm-hmm. about the Lord. The big L. The Lord. My Savior. Oh. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know that was this kind of session. <laughs> I didn't know oh. that. <laughs> Feel free to test that one right I'm just out playing. the course now. I'm just playing. I'm just Whoa. playing. So what we talking <laughs> about today, see? What we talking about? Oh, I think we should discuss the spirit of offense. Because mm, people be offended. People be and so offending. offended. What I said the other day, offendable. <laughs> they be offendable. I made that one up. Is be that out here word? offending. Be out here offending. Walking around like Jesus. Yeah, no, man. People really do be offended. So, like, when you address somebody, mm-hmm. what are your intentions? Like, are you trying to offend them? Or, you know, is it something that you just want them to know? Or My intentions are never to offend anyone. I actually really feel like, to a certain extent, I might have failed in my delivery if someone leaves offended. I know that, that that's a heavy burden. That's a bit too much. <laughs> I know, I, I know, and it's not. I'm not, it's not necessarily true uh-huh. because I know that that has to do with the confidence and the heart posture of the person who received it. I know that has to do with the comfort level they have with receiving constructive criticism. Mm. Some people don't really have the discernment to know what place comments come from. Some people always put it in that in the negative box mm-hmm. um, just because that's how they've always viewed things and they've never challenged themselves mm-hmm. to say, hmm, okay, first and foremost, where's their truth to it? Secondly, what is this person's character, you know, been traditionally as long as I've known them? You know, and we all have to grow, I think, to a place where we can accept criticism, you know. And so, yeah, that's never my intention to offend anyone. I first and foremost pray, Lord, please tell me what to say. Please give me the words to say. And if we're close enough for it to be addressed, which I do believe that you could say anything if you say it the right way. I agree. You know, I think ultimately the success of that conversation is based on a number of of factors, but yeah, what about you? Do you ever say, "Oh, this is my opinion"? Oh well, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're like that's me. <laughs> uh, no, no, uh, I I care mm-hmm. about people, and uh, think sometimes I care probably a little bit too much. That's me too. But you know, that's my duty. My duty is to hold my neighbor accountable, and uh, that's just kind of what I want to do. We're at an age where we are, you know, our lives are just beginning to start. We kind of want to do things all the right way. We're looking for all these big old blessings, you know what I mean, from God. But it's a lot of things that we can't get because of the posture of our heart or because of our characteristics. So if I notice something about you that could possibly be um, delaying your blessing or your promise, I would like to address you about it, but I only do it because I'm comfortable with people doing it for me. So I wouldn't, you know, say anything to anybody in a way that I would have a hard time receiving. Mm. So with great practice, you got to that point, too, because we we all get into it. Let's pray. Okay. Let's pray first. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for another opportunity to come before your people and discuss the things that matter to you, Lord, Mm -hmm. and help us to navigate this life here on earth, Lord God, with the help of the Holy Spirit and good friends, Lord God, who are also submitted to you. Lord, we want to pray for every single listener that they receive what they need from you through this podcast, Lord God. We want to pray that Um, you, Father God, overtake our mouths as we speak and that we as people fall to the back burner, Lord God, so that your purpose prevails. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we are excited to get into this conversation. In Jesus' holy, precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, friend, Hmm. how would you say your relationship with offense personally has been? How, were you somebody who used to be offended all the time? Did you have to grow to the place you are? Because you mentioned something about appreciating feedback. And I think that that is not a typical thing for most people. How did you get to the place where you appreciated feedback and therefore became comfortable giving others feedback? Because a lot of people are very scared of confrontation. Mm-hmm. Well... How did I become comfortable with people telling me about myself? Mm. I have friends who genuinely care about me, and I know that they like me. I think like my my personality, you know, I think that I'm a personable person. So the things that they say to me, maybe they feel like there's not alignment with my character. I do think that my friends probably see something in me or other people see something in me that they feel like, okay, well, by you doing that, it's not growing you any, right? So how did I get comfortable? That's tough. I don't even remember. How did I get comfortable? Somebody text me right quick and tell me how I got <laughs> I'm just playing. I know that what people are doing is out of love, right? I know that when somebody says something to me to rectify me, is out of love. And when they say love hurts, I think it's stuff like that. What they mean, not like physically or mentally, I remember one time you and I were talking, and I said, um, all right, girl, I'm going to call you back um, because I don't really know how to feel, so let me go pray. You know, so that is something that I really mm-hmm. do do. You know, when somebody says something to me, I don't just dismiss it. I really do sit on that thing. You know, I sit on it, and I take it to God and allow, allow Him to confirm it, right? Because apparently somebody is telling me something about myself that I wasn't able to see because— we can be self-absorbed. And so by somebody telling me something, which means, okay, now this is something I did not notice about myself, so let me go and take it back to see whether or not it's confirmed. And often, you kind of be true. <laughs> I had somebody tell me something one time, it was not true. Mm. But other stuff, I take it to God. I do. Yeah. What about you? So for me, I too very much enjoy knowing that the people around me are going to be honest with me. To me, it bothers me for people to just be yes men and women oh. um, toward me because I feel like that's not helping me grow. No, it's not. And and I I don't know if that was something that started with me being in art school and being taught critiques, you know, that critiquing is not negative. It's a part of, you know— contributing to the world around you, contributing pieces, contributing art, contributing things that are opinion-based in terms of there's no right or wrong way to receive this thing. And so I don't know if through practicing putting something that's so close to my heart up on a 
literally on a wall and letting 20-something people just say their comments and getting comfortable in that space, I think it definitely actually helped me to be able to not take things so personal. Mm -hmm. Um, Not saying that it's easy, not saying that it's all, you know, good, not saying that sometimes I don't fail at not taking things personal. But to your point, first and foremost, we have to assess the person who is giving us that feedback. Right. You know, if it came from a random person, if it came from somebody who has not always been kind to you or someone who you don't trust is rooted in the Holy Spirit, someone who you don't, you are not confident that they love you, they haven't expressed the love first for you. I think then that is when you typically need to take the meat, spit out the bones. You All know, right. um, that's my parents. I always used to say, take the meat, spit out the bones. That like something from deep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you take the important parts and if there's things that are within that statement that, you know, you discern are maybe not relevant, not because you don't want it to be relevant, but you also have to have enough self-awareness, I think, to be able to say, okay, you're the only person who's ever, call, you know, claimed that I was a selfish person or you're the only person who's ever given me these adjectives or... Or, or try to, you know, say this. And even still, I do think that there is a lot of value in taking certain comments to people you trust. Let's say that conversation happened with someone that you may not have been, you know, the best of friends with. Mm. If you even have an inkling that there could be some truth to it alongside prayer, I think to take it to someone who knows you better than, you know, anyone else, to take it to a parent, to take it to someone, you know, a trusted sibling and say, hey, be real with me. Have I ever expressed emotions that would lead someone to think that I'm this? Have I ever acted in this way? Do you think that that is something that is consistent? Do you see me acting this way multiple times? And think initially that person, no, no, that ain't true. true." No, I'm, Listen, I, I need to know, not based off of, you know, let's go and fight this person who said this about me, but I'm just, I'm really trying to check myself, you know, and look in the mirror. Have you noticed anything within me in my past that would give this person, you know, give some truth to the statement that this right. person made? And I think, you know, when we do that, ultimately that can only improve how we project out into the world. There's so many times where we don't think that we are being a certain type of person and other people receive what we're putting out differently than we intend. Yeah. And so for me, I believe that I have grown through my career, through, you know, really valuing my sisterhood of friends. I've really grown to a place where I really appreciate good feedback, solid feedback. And in the same way that we shouldn't take a statement and put it on someone's character, I also will not receive a statement and then now apply it to my character. I absolutely won't. So that's for me. You know, this is, man, I always got a story to tell. This is really <laughs> reminding me <laughs> of, of David and Nathan. David and Nathan. David and Nathan. We you know, know Big what? Baller David. Like, you really going to have to break this Nathan down Cause, well, for, for a lot of us. Well, yeah, because David... Okay. We know so, David done been through David, some stuff. David is the done one. did some stuff. I guess I'm in reference to the situation. Mm-hmm. So there was, the story is in Second Samuel chapter 12. David, you know, without—David, David. David. 
<laughs> so David was the king. He had finally got what God had promised him, the land, um, both Israel and Judah. So he could petition God and ask God for anything, and he would give it to him. David, you know, got up and was looking through the window and saw somebody else's wife, Bathsheba, which was Uriah's wife. You know, Uriah was described as a good friend of David's, a humble guy, you know, real cool dude. Super cool loyal. Dude. Super loyal. Shout out to all the Uriahs. So David, you know, was looking, saw his wife. Uriah was getting ready for battle. He wanted home. So they summoned, he summoned Bathsheba. Go, go tell Shawty that I'm looking at over there. This one right here. Go tell her. I said, come on, right? Tell her come to the house. And she came to the house at this undecent, ungodly hour. And um, scripture says he laid with her and he knew her. And we know what that means, right? So Bathsheba got pregnant, right? So she went back. She wanted them to know, hey, somebody go, go y'all go tell David that I'm pregnant. David is in his mind trying to figure out Mm-mm, this ain't right. So he called. They say, okay, go get Uriah. Tell Uriah to come here. So he has Uriah come and, you know, access, you know, he playing it cool. How How's everything going out at the battlefield? Da, 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 da. Yeah, so he sent him home with food. You know what I mean? He sent them out. So with the intentions on him having sex with his wife so that it could be covered up. <laughs> he was in his mind really trying to figure out mm-hmm. what I'm going to do. Um, but so much intention behind this. So see. much intention, right? But... Uriah did not. He didn't go home. He Instead, he stayed, you know, um, they mentioned that he was kind of like at, at the door or at something gates, like that, yeah. at the gates. Out of his loyalty, by the way, to David's army, yeah, which he, because like, David is his, his commander-in-chief at this. So when David asked him about it, he like, I'm not finna go home and lay with my wife. Like, he was spe- like specific. I'm not finna go home and lay with my wife while people is out here. Right. Like, my I'm own the- boys are on the front lines, and I'm gonna be chilling at the house. That don't even feel house. right. That's not even, why would you even ask what me What a that? good dude. Like, get your life. So um, he tried it again. He said, okay, well, now we're gonna have a feast. I'm gonna go get him drunk, and y'all know what you be feeling when you're drunk. So he said, I'm gonna get him drunk, and then he gonna go back to it. His wife. He did not. Instead, he went back to his post, went to sleep, and they was like, "What? This is not doing nothing that I asked him to do. Like, what is wrong with him? Right? So now he panicking. Right? You know, they go off. Bathsheba starts to show she's real pregnant. And that By math ain't adding up. Is something is not. But luckily, I'm not gonna say luckily, but to ease the pain, Uriah won't dare to see her belly grow. Right? Because mm-hmm. he was out fighting. So. You know, David sends a message on the letter, hey, put Uriah in the front of the most dangerous troop. Make sure he be the first one. When he goes, nobody follow him, right? Let him just go out there in the field, get killed. And, and they then, fell back. Yes. They fell back. Don't fall back. Cover your friends. Anyway, to make a long story longer, Uriah died. Mm. Okay. And David, soon as David found out about it, he was acting like, oh, no, like you, like he's like he wasn't the one to set it up. <laughs> Can you imagine oh, how dang. bad this acting is? What? That, Not my boy, you're right. What oh, happened? That's crazy. What? Well, <laughs> it was pretty much a it was a death sentence anyway to send him to the front, and that's what uh, he was doing. That's not my boy. Dang, he did. So, then <laughs> <laughs> immediately he go and marry this man's wife. Right, he goes and he marries his wife, and you know she's all pregnant. They thinking that life is all good, and Nathan pulled up on him. Homeboy of the century. So Nathan was like, you know, oh, he told him this story about a rich man having a plethora and a, a poor man having a few and somebody needing something. And instead of the rich man giving out, he took what the poor man had and gave it to the person. And David was furious. Why would he do that? Go tell him to come up here. Oh, no, nah, we don't do that in my kingdom. We don't do that in my kingdom. He was like, oh, yeah, for real? Because you the one who did it. 
Right. You are the rich man. You the rich man. With an exclamation point. Uriah had one wife, and you wanted that one wife, and you got— And you got all these wives. You know what I mean? He said, well, thus said the Lord. Mm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Why didn't you just—the Lord told Nathan to tell him, I would have given you anything. I've given you Judah. I've given you Israel. You got the whole—you got women from left to right. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. I'm going to punish you. I'm going to punish your wives. The baby that's up in there going to die. And this is some tough information, right? Nathan had to come and carry all this information like, thus said the Lord, right? He didn't leave no room for conversation. Soon as David, soon as Nathan got done talking, he left. Hmm. Uh, tell you about yourself. All right, now I'm gone. First thing David do, repent. He falls on the floor and say, I have sinned. He admitted it, right? Yes. I have sinned. Later on in the chapter, we see him pleading and worshiping and fasting which are all acts of someone being held accountable. And after seven days, once the punishment was done, because God ain't going to take it back. I said what I said. He was fasting, praying, that, hoping that, that the, the baby, baby lived. would li- live, which we know God, his word does not return I to him. I said what I said, period. I love you. He made that very clear. Yeah. Now, you, you did wrong. I love you. This too shall pass. But once that seven day was up, I appreciate David. He, they, you know, the people over in the corner was whispering. They was like, ooh, he been tripping all week. I don't know how we going to tell him. David said, oh, my baby did. It was like, yeah, bro. He was like, all right. And man went and put on some clothes, sat at the table, Wiped ate his, his face food. And, went and, ate. and that was that. You yeah. know what I mean? Shout out to that. A man after God's own heart. If you're a man after God's own heart, please call. <laughs> first of all, first of all, hopefully, you know, you ain't a man that's after God's own heart and out here swiping people's wives and conspiring to kill people. Just, so listen, that was not a good segue because I don't want no Davids. You hear me? I, it was a joke. <laughs> I'm, I'm just playing. putting that out there. Listen, I, I had to lighten it up because that was a little deep. That story, <laughs> that story was a little heavy for me. To it get was out. heavy. It's amazing to me that he still called a man after God's own heart, mm-hmm. even after all of that. Mm-hmm. But. To me, the thing that stands out to me is the fact that Nathan, his approach. It's Nathan. I love it. As a prophet. Yeah. As a man who came there to do a job, mm-hmm. deliver a message. Mm-hmm. If y'all notice, you know, there's a way to say everything. It if you are, the, you are the sandpaper friend, you the one who comes to smooth out the edges and, and that's your job, you know, know that you can pray about an approach. I don't think that... It is appropriate or desired to be hated and just say, well, they hate me because I'm too real. We don't need no more Larry Davis. No, listen, they <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Larry, but he is that enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> he real he real real yeah. you know but it made for really a lot of awkward situations on that television show yeah, you know and so um, <laughs> we ain't coming for nobody in real life like this is like you know TV but yeah you know I think some people they tend to pride themselves mm-hmm. on rubbing people the wrong way yeah. as a means of saying oh I'm getting some stuff done oh, okay yeah, listen I'm just too real for y'all I'm just too real for y'all nah you just like <laughs> you don't have no finesse and no strategy when it comes to delivering messages you can be real but who told you that Mr. Real, Miss Real, you get to just say whatever you want all willy-nilly and not care about somebody's feelings. You don't. And I love the fact that Nathan, he gave an example. He said a parable. Like, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, rich men. It was so strategic to me and beautiful because it allowed David to step back and view it without him being in Mm -hmm. the mix. Mm -hmm. And we can usually see the fault of others before Mm -hmm. we can see the fault of ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
So to me, that was genius. The fact that he was like, oh, yeah, what you think about it? David? Oh, no, nah, no, nah, that's wrong. That's wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. just like full, just straight up. And it's amazing because I know that had Nathan immediately just started speaking directly to David about his sins, mm-hmm. David would not have reacted so strongly. He probably would have, it probably would have been wrapped in, you know, excuses. Not saying that he wasn't accountable because we saw that he immediately repented. But I believe that that conversation would not have hit as hard. You know, it might have been a few more discussing points, you know, about, oh, yeah, you know. And even if it's not excuses, it would be like, Oh, I know I was so, oh, yeah, yeah, I did it, you know, but I, I tried to fix it. I tried, you know, the repentance would still be there, but with a whole lot more discussion than to just be like, you know what? Dang. Yeah. You, you really hit that. You really hit the nail on it. Like, I, I can't even say nothing. You know what? David thought what he was doing was he was doing in the secret. He thought mm-hmm. that nobody knew. Right. And so <laughs> imagine how many things we do in secret and then get called out on it. That mm-hmm. first of all, that ain't that's not a nice feeling. Cause how you huh? How you even know about that? Mm-hmm. I agree. I I love Nathan's approach, which would insinuate that they these two had a relationship. Yes, it would insinuate that the both of them respected one another. He knew him well enough to know how to address him because this what you, what you just did was not right. The Lord saw it. He told, and I'm the perfect man to tell you. There was nobody else, and you know the person who summoned Bathsheba could have told him, "Oh, you wrong." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The person who delivered the message and told him that she was pregnant could have told him, but he it wouldn't have been received because the relationship is different. They want two different levels. You my servant. You know what I mean? You ain't got the right to come tell me nothing. First of all, cut your neck off. We're done. You know what I mean? Like cut anything, your neck off. Anything. How <laughs> do you even happen. do that? I don't know. I just assume that that's like, that's a thing. that was the punishment. Yeah. Well, a lot of times it was, but you know, something that you said when you talked about relationship is mm-hmm. super important because mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people in 2020 people are going to be like, oh well, Shadi could have just been like, nah, I'm married. You know, but the, you're talking about the king. Right. We were talking about the king where everybody in this kingdom is submitted to this man. Right. And so there's a responsibility that he had that he abused. Yes. And so Bathsheba, the reason why she went along with it, it never spoke of her attraction back to him, per se. It didn't. But when you recognize what a powerful man this was, the way that her husband didn't ask any questions, the way that the person who summoned her didn't say nothing. Right. Because this was a man that. It was understood we don't speak back. We just do, mm-hmm. you know. There wasn't really a whole lot of choice. It was like I, I'm summoning, I'm ca- commanding, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, sending for you. And so it's interesting because when you think about the places in your life that you have responsibility and authority mm-hmm. and the way in which you can utilize this for, you know, good, because mm-hmm. you see Nathan— it describes him as a trusted advisor to David. He mm-hmm. was a royal advisor. Yeah. So he was literally in the position where he was specifically the person who was supposed to advise the king. Yep. That was his job. Yep. He could have chosen to appease him, but he took his job serious. He mm-hmm. took that authority serious. And I think that there is places in all of our lives where we serve as an advisor, even if it's amongst our friends, if it's, you know, on our job, if we notice that people tend to really, you know, take our opinion to heart. I think there's areas in our lives where we are advisors as well. And when we remember that we need to wield that power in respective of Christ mm-hmm. and we can do that in a way that's godly and points mm-hmm. back to what is right. I think that when we take that responsibility serious, we begin to 
you know, see all of the ways in which we are, you know, in a position to do our due diligence. Yeah. And you do not want to find yourself being an advisor who did not properly advise. It said mm. trusted advisor to David. Mm-hmm. So they already, like you said, had an established relationship. David trusted this person and he probably did so because he knew that Nathan had his best interests at heart. He knew it. He knew he was a prophet. He knew that all in which he heard or said had came straight from God, right? And David's response, you know what I mean? I don't know that if he would have gotten that from anybody else that he would have responded and or prepared wow. the way that he did. Yeah. You know what I mean? The first thing he did was admit, oh, Lord, I've sinned. You know, I, you know I, sometimes we get so wrapped up in whatever it is that we're doing. We, God is the last person on our mind. And it's very clear that he was not thinking about God. I mean, he he had many wives anyway. So he probably just was thinking, I, I can have her too. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't know. I mean, his whole, the way in which he did well, it. Well, obviously you know there was I mean? some guilt attached to it because he did so much to try to cover himself up. Mm-hmm. He knew better. You know, he definitely knew better because I imagine that he could have just been like, well, I mean, listen, I'm just taking her off your hands. But he didn't even tell Uriah. He did not. He did not, you know, confess his sin to to Uriah. So that to me, that sounds like a man who knew he had fallen into sin and knew that he was wrong. But instead of, I guess, being in a position of leadership in you know, confessing a sin to someone who is yeah. beneath him, you know, instead of being viewed as someone who is a murderer or adulterer, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? He didn't say that to anyone. He was hoping that it would go you by. Do it and in I, secret. Yeah, do it in secret, you know. And so, but I definitely think that there was evidence of some guilt there. Well, to your point, yeah, there probably was, right? I don't know. I just, I don't know that that was the first thing that was on his mind. Oh, right. Of course. I think the first thing was like, I can have anything I want, including her. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to get her, you know. But but mm-hmm. to your point, it does, you can tell that he is he is very much aware of right and wrong from his response after Nathan described basically his situation. The first thing he did was want to get justice. Really? Because you're the person. So it, it would insinuate, you know right from wrong. You know mm-hmm. what you're doing. I think when even when we approach people, you know what you're doing. Like, you know right from wrong. I'm saying this to you because you're not a fool. You know you're not a fool. What you did need to be corrected. And I'm, I'm going to tell you. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate Nathan. I think it's so important to recognize this is the reason why we need to be mindful of how we present ourselves every other day. So should there be a situation where you need to be an advisor, a trusted advisor, someone knows you to be someone who is fair and you are actually about, you know, that that walk to because you about that life for real. And mm-hmm. somebody and people should know that, because can you imagine if you were somebody who, you know, was not mindful of your reputation amongst the people around you? And then you go to say something to somebody and, you know, it's everybody's worst nightmare that the person going to turn around and be like, uh, I know you ain't talking. Okay. You know, yeah. that's a real thing. I think the reason why David took what Nathan said so serious the first time. 
mm-hmm. was because he trusted that he had a solid relationship with God and that he really was a true prophet. Yeah. And so he trusted the history that he saw of Nathan's life, the fact that he was a man yeah. who was upstanding, a man who truly is a real prophet. And that is what, you know, his day-to-day life had led him to in terms of trusting this man. Mm-hmm. And so had Nathan been a little off sometimes, it might have been arguable. Mm -hmm. But immediately Mm -hmm. you see that David repented and David knew, thus says the Lord, Mm -hmm. because Nathan, the one who was advising, was also someone who was consistent. That's good. Good deal. You know, and David could have pulled, like you mentioned it earlier, he could have pulled an Adam and went to blame her. Well, she the one came over. She knew what it was at three o'clock she in the morning. She took took a bath on the she roof. Do, she knew what she was doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He could have. He could have. And if it hadn't came from David, he probably would have. He could have made some excuses. You know what I mean? Like, like you said. But had it not came from Nate, I said, did it? Had David. It not came, <laughs> David talking to David. <laughs> <laughs> had it not came from Nathan, you know, he probably he probably would have yeah. um, made excuses or put the blame on somebody else instead of taking accountability. So I do. I think it's important. You know what I mean? You talk about all the time testing every spirit. Of course, we aren't going to be Nathan-like. You know what I mean? Well, Nathan-oriented. We're not going to be like Nathan is what I'm trying to say. So we may not be um, perfect all the way up and down. But I do Nathan think— Nathan wasn't perfect. No, he wasn't Jesus. No, I mean, but I don't know any prophets. I don't have any prophets people, in my circle. Right, right. So I feel like, but— But there are people who do have that gift that might be similar to Nathan modern day. I mean, if they told me some, I would— you if you knew account. them, if you knew that that was their spiritual gift, you then, know, then if, and, it, and it had been a history, you know. Right. And if they heart, you know, matched up to it. I guess, I guess what I'm saying, I think at our age mm-hmm. or at our level, I don't know anybody that's like that. Mm-hmm. But we know the hearts of people. And I think if somebody's heart is pure, although we're imperfect, when we say something to somebody to hold them accountable, it's not so that we can offend you, but it's literally to hold you accountable because it is my duty. Right. So have you ever been in a situation where you've said something out of love in, you know, in attempt to hold somebody accountable and they were offended? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. That's happened many times. And, you know, what I recognize is during that situation, you know, those situations, it really didn't matter how I said it because I was super mindful of how I said it. But, you know, ultimately, the reason why they were so offended and couldn't just toss it away is because I believe that they knew there was truth to it. Hello. And people aren't always ready to face that truth, you know. But if you feel like the Lord has placed something on your heart, of course, be wise with the way that you deliver that message. But also recognize that people may not receive it right then. But I think that I've seen times, a number of times where someone was tortured by something that was said when somebody was, they constantly thought about it. You know, we're all at different levels. Reality speaking, we're all at different levels. I've, you know what I mean, been there before where somebody says something and I'm like thinking about it all the time. Like, dang, that person was right. Like, or, you know, dang, I hope, (laughs) I wish that person wasn't right. You know? And so I think that Ultimately, there's many times where we might say something and it may or may not be received right then. However, you can't grow weary that you should have not said it if you truly felt led because that might be a process that they're entering in that started with the seed that was planted from you. Yeah. So, yeah. How about you? 
Have I ever said something to offend somebody? Have you ever said something that wasn't to offend someone, but the person ended up not responding very well to it? Absolutely. All How the time. How did you handle that? I always try to, like, over-talk to clean it up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I try to, like, say a whole—I a whole. I try to, like—I I, I do have, like, a segue. You know what I mean? I try to say something or say it this way or use, you know, different words. But I do know that I'm friends with people because I'm straightforward. But, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I, I, I can admit that I probably have not choose the best words, but that didn't necessarily mean what I was saying was not true. But I've never, like, said something out of a reaction. You know what I mean? I think people say things out of reaction, and then that's how you get offended. You know, if we're talking, you're like, you know what? You cross out a little bit, and you need to get some glasses. Like, excuse me, you could have said that a different way, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, I do. I have been in situations where I've said something, and sometimes I can tell by the person's make their body language. You know what I mean? I had somebody straight up tell me, "I, ain't, I don't want to. I don't want to hear that." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. just like, okay, well, all right. Well, like, could you at least pray about it? But I really do feel like it's my duty. Sometimes I think I'm. Not minding my own business, you know what I mean? But I really, really want the best for, like, people in my world. So I will say something that I've, that has been placed on my Because if I—why am I still—why why would I—why am I thinking about this situation it has nothing to do with me so much, mm-hmm. right? And how I just—how I just—you know, something about it is not right. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I really just kind of don't agree. I'm like, I wonder, like, how I can say this to this person. So I try to, like, change my tone. You know, I try to talk a little softer. Maybe try to look them in their eyes a little bit or, you know, throw in a joke. You feel me? You know, yes. one of those. No, I say you feel me. Look at no, you. No, and look, I'm like, uh-huh. You're so silly. You can tell me anything right now. You, you feel me? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but I try to say it. You know, um, I had a few times where, I, you know, I had to come back a couple days like, you know, I'm sorry if I stepped on your toes. You know what I mean? I do go back and I apologize in the event that they were offended. But, I, you know, I really, I care. Right. And it's interesting because you mentioned people's body language. Sometimes people do receive it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think as a receiver, there's also a responsibility that you don't take that information and, you know, that might have, you knowing your heart been true. What you do with that information after that is so vital. Yeah. Do you take that to God or do you take that to your homegirl to, you know, try to ease your mind? Because you go to the homegirl with that information that you know is going to say, nah, that was crazy. Nah, that person's crazy. Nah, that's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, we know what we're doing sometimes. Sometimes we get a we get a word or we get a we have a conversation or we start to feel convicted and we don't want it to be true. We don't even want to entertain it. Mm-hmm. And so we will go and try to get somebody who um, into a conversation and make sure that we are wording it in a way or framing it in a way where we can be justified in dismissing it. But ultimately, you know, I believe that when Christ is pursuing that person over that situation, mm-hmm. I think that they will always know that it's something that needs that's going to come back around. You can try to, you know, diminish the the quality of that conversation if you want, mm-hmm. but I think that that's something for all of us to remember because we will always sometimes we'll be the deliverer of the message, sometimes we'll be the receiver. Okay. Let's make sure that when we, you know, deliver the message, we are mindful. We're saying it in love. To, to your point, we are making sure that we are gentle 
in our speech and that, you know, we're clear on what our purpose is in sharing this information. And it's not to offend. It's not to disrespect. It's not to, you know, make the person feel bad, but it is to share information and observation as a counterpart, as a friend, as a coworker, whatever it is, right? Yeah. So when we're clear on our purpose and we're mindful about our delivery yeah. and we're prayerful throughout the whole thing, I believe that it'll be a much better result. And then as the receiver, I believe that if we receive something and it might disturb your spirit, pray about it and ask God, Lord, if there's any truth in this, please reveal it to me, you know, and if it's not, Lord, let me please depart in peace, you know, from this situation. Please remove it. But Lord, I want to just come to you and run this through the grid of, you know, the Holy Spirit. I want to know if this is, if there's any truth to this, because I don't desire to ignore it and then not grow. And I think people are offended because they have been exposed, right? You've been exposed. And that's not fun. Exposure is not fun. It's not It's not fun. It's embarrassing. That is why, you know, Adam and Eve built up them fig trees. You know what I mean? Put the fig leaves together to cover themselves because they realized that they had been exposed and to be naked and exposed is shameful. Mm. You know what I mean? And it hurts. It is a tough pill to swallow. And I, I agree. It's the delivery. We see this with Nathan and we see that just as have, being accountable or being an accountability partner. I know I have rehearsed things with you. You know, mm-hmm. I have typed up a message, sent it over to you. Hey, can can I get a, a proofread real quick? <laughs> you know what I mean? Did I say it all? Is it offensive? And um, I find that even when I did that, the, the way in which they received it was differently. You know what I mean? I had somebody just straight up tell me, okay, I agree. You know, another person made excuses, but I say, I say what I said. But it doesn't mean that your words didn't have the impact. They might have made excuses because that was their first instinct. You right, know, which but, is, is natural. Right. It is It is natural. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's fun at all. And let's be clear, I don't think that we should go around opening ourselves up to being mm-hmm. criticized or critiqued or mm-hmm. whatever. It, it, you have to be mindful of the relationship between the person who is bringing you this word. And I think that everything deserves a prayer to go up at least. You may not like it, but it's worth just praying about because it could be that that person just don't know how to deliver it, you know? So I don't think that you should receive every word that comes your way. I don't think that you should, you know, accept every criticism, but I do think everything that does come into your vicinity, whether it is a person, a word, you know, a revelation, a comment, I believe that you can, that's the beauty of us having this personal relationship with Christ is that we can throw up a prayer about it. Like, Lord, okay, mm-hmm. what is this? Please show me if it's something I should pay attention to. If not, please help me to to to, you know, just let that go. Right. I know that there's something in the Bible in reference to a thing. Yes, yes. So in Luke chapter 17, verse 1 through 2, it says, Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. What does that mean to you, Elizabeth? It's interesting because it it, it actually follows and it says, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. So it talks about, I mean, not only saying like, listen, offenses may come, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea is God in this 
passage is discussing like a warning to religious leaders to um, not be hypocritical, mm-hmm. that the offenses that you could be, you know, actually against, you could also deliver. And so be mindful. Mm. But if the person that you you know, we're discussing these offenses with mm-hmm. was to repent, mm-hmm. you know, as you are rebuking this person, forgive them and vice versa, because you may need that forgiveness sometime yourself. To me, offenses will come. I think that we are bound to be offended along the way. I don't think we're always going to be expected to receive things Oh, chipper, like, oh, yeah, you know, okay, well, thank you so much for bringing that to my attention. I'm just going to look at it. Like, that may not be natural, Mm -hmm. and I don't think that we're necessarily called to receive negative, you know, information just fantastically. But I think that what we do with that information is so important. And even if you need a chance to stop and pray before you respond so that you don't end up giving a bunch of excuses— And based on the relationship with that person, I think that it could actually make you and that person closer. It could grow you as a person, which is the whole idea, is to smooth out those rough edges. So, yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. What about you? Yeah, I mean, if if it sounds like if I don't tell this to you, you may you're going to drown. You know what I mean? You're going to be stuck at the bottom mm-hmm. of this water with this milestone, and you're not going to get any better because nobody has addressed you about it, right? Not you drowning. There's no way you can get up from a from a, with a milestone wrapped around your neck. You know what I mean? Like, there's not, you, how are you going to get up from that? Yeah. I did you a disservice. I don't know that we know that our mission for real is just to be— of service for people, for mm-hmm. others. This world is not about us. I think we get so wrapped up in ourselves that that's probably how we be offended because if somebody was coming to you to address something about your heart or your character is so that they can service you, right, and attempt to encourage you and to help you. But we so wrapped up in ourselves that we don't see that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And sometimes people respond, oh, okay, well, if you think I'm selfish, then I think you're a hypocrite. Right. You know what I mean? And now we in this back and forth, hitting below the belt match. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're doing. I'm not trying to hit below the belt. I'm trying to hit at your heart, mm-hmm. okay? I'm not trying to fuss with you. I'm not trying to argue with you. It's not. This is not grounds for an argument. Um, but I don't know that we just need to— I mean, I do agree. Offense is inevitable. But to just be—you know what I mean? And it could very well be, like, your first reaction. But I really do think if somebody was coming at you that way, it's really out of love. But I don't know that we see enough love in the world. Yeah. So we're not able to recognize love. Wow, that's good. Yeah, I don't think we're used to that dynamic. I think that, you know, and that's why the importance of getting this information from a trusted advisor. And also, if you are delivering this information, you know you don't have a relationship with this person. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to be extra, extra, extra prayerful and mindful you know, and, and discerning. Just because you see something don't mean you always have to say something. Be prayerful because ultimately, if you are there to deliver a message in love on behalf of Christ, on behalf of the things that you're discerning in this situation, yeah. you might be able to take a step back and maybe not deliver that message until you get a word from the Lord on how right. to handle it, you know, or until the opportunity presents itself. Right. Be spirit-led. Ultimately, in all of this, be spirit-led, whether you are giving the reprimand mm-hmm. or if you're receiving it. 
You know, mm-hmm. we have to be spirit led. Right. So moving forward, what are some ways in which you would tell the audience as we are wrapping up, mm-hmm. you know, how they can protect themselves from arrows, mm-hmm. but also remain open to actual like growth? Well, I think first you we we need to take a moment to evaluate ourselves or ask God to seek us, right? That's scripture. I think that that's the first step. That way, if someone says something to you, it's not the first time you heard it, and it's not something that you hadn't already recognized about yourself. It may take you some time. It took David seven days. Mm-hmm. David prayed, fast, and worshiped for seven days before he accepted what had happened to him. And we I ain't saying, you know, that you're going to accept all of a sudden. Even we see the David just all of a sudden, he just didn't straight up receive it. If you feel like you want to discuss it a little bit further with the person who sent you the message. Okay, well, you said that. Okay, well, what was it that I did? Okay, well, what was your opinion? If you were me, how would you have handled it? Mm-hmm. Right? Just be gentle, I think. You know what I mean? I think we should be practicing on gentleness, but I really would encourage all of us, and, you know, me included, to continue to seek yourself first. That way, if somebody says something to you, it's not like it hadn't already been revealed. So seek the truth of your heart. Like, search search me, oh, Lord. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's a good prayer to pray. By the way, y'all, maybe if we prayed that more often, nobody would have to say it from the outside. Search my heart, oh, Lord. I agree. You know, search me, oh, Lord. Write you some stuff down. What, like, how do you react when you're angry, right? Mm-hmm. Write it down. What are some things that you say? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. We ultimately know if if what we're receiving is truth. We know ourselves. That's why we offended. Yeah, we've been exposed. Yeah, and people really think they're doing a great job of hiding. You know, yeah, I can with them spiritual eyes. I see everything. That that is different when you think that you were um, you were successful at hiding something you didn't want people to know, or you thought you were doing a good job of acting a certain way, and somebody just speaks right into your heart, and you look like, whoa, hold on, player. Like, who you talking to? Now nah, you got the wrong one. You got the wrong person. You got the wrong mm-hmm. one. Now I see you, you I know. Do. But um, ultimately, I think there's responsibility on both ends, and each person involved has to be spirit-led. Each person involved. Yeah. So, What would you recommend? Um. I recommend the same thing. I recommend the same thing. Just be spirit-led. Like we said, in all of this, navigate with faith. These are conversations, but ultimately, this is your life, you know? And and so nothing we say is going to be information that God— can't reveal to you or wouldn't reveal to you right. first and foremost. There, nothing I'm we're saying regular. is is new under the sun. It's in God's word too. He, you could see that He cares about everything that we do, and the fact that there is a verse regarding, um, you know, offenses. There's a, rever- mm. a a verse regarding, you know, how to repent to one another. It says to confess your sins, you know, to your to your um, neighbor, to a fellow person in Christ. Like it talks about confessing and being real and being open and being honest. And so, you know, I. Think think that ultimately God is clear on how we should act and interact with one another. It doesn't say just to any any, and everybody. So we must be wise. We must be spirit-led and we must be discerning. Amen. Woo, soul sister. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today on the Navigate with Faith podcast. I'm Alisa. And this is Sierra. And this is how you navigate Navigate with with faith. Thank you for listening to the Navigate with Faith podcast. We want to give a special thank you to Dante Hodge, our executive producer and editor. And a special thank you to the Pigment Playground for designing our show artwork and graphics. 
Music by Turn Me Up J. Cav. This episode was recorded at Listen Up Audio in Atlanta, Georgia. Subscribe to the Navigate with Faith podcast on your favorite platform. Follow us on social media at Navigate with Faith on Instagram and Facebook and Navigate W Faith on Twitter.